uh, podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for some sports. Brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com for more information. Hi, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 28th. The Cavaliers open up their 2019 campaign in just a few days up in uh, the Steel City, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night on the ACC Network. I'm not aware if you guys know this, but that's a new cable channel um, that a number of providers carry. And then there are some that don't, and some people are very upset about that. Um, and if you are among those people, I feel your pain, um, even though I have files. Uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, the matchup with the Panthers on Saturday night. should be an interesting one for sure, um, and, and it'll set the tone not just for Virginia, but obviously for Pitt. Uh, a lot of questions going into this game, as any sort of opener may have, but at the same time, the fact that it's a Coastal Division game colors this a little bit differently. Um, we'll also get into, before we do that, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the depth chart and some of the things that came out on Monday in terms of maybe kind of painting the picture a little bit, maybe framing things as, as we go into the weekend. Um, before we get started, started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful, Brad. I'm still I'm still confused from that Rob Gronkowski thing I listened to on the way home yesterday. Um, it's really weighing on me. Uh, don't know why. If you heard it, it's gold. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter? I, I have no I have literally no idea what you're talking about. And it's very <laughs> I mean I realize I realize I've been busy late, but I I've, it's 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 very rare for me to like have zero idea. I, I mean, is there a joke in there? Or is that just like your general? No, like, it's literally I heard it again tonight on the way home. It's just mind boggling. It ruined. I was use. I used my trip home to think of a clever thing on for the podcast, and that just played with my mind so much. <laughs> I like how you you wanted to assert that it was your clever idea. That's really smart. I like that. Yeah, I've yeah. been uh, and Justin Ferber, also on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, I would like to announce that my okay. title with UVA has been changed from senior or with uh, rivals or Cavs Corner has been changed from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from senior staff writer to the Dean and Markle family senior staff writer. It's embarrassing, but I, I, I got to get my money where I can. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I knew where you were going with that before you even really started. <laughs> and I, frankly, I'm, I'm surprised that nobody's made that joke uh, on the podcast. You know what's really interesting is that like nobody made any – like when that thing happened, nobody was like – nobody, I guess, realized that they were always going to refer to him as – Instead of, you know, Tony Bennett, uh, head coach of the Virginia Cavaliers, they were going to refer to him that way because of the uh, the the, yeah. the gift or whatever. But, hey, you know what? That's what they paid for. I mean. I just I just forgot about it because of the gap between, you know, like when they announced that yeah. endowment or whatever. And then the first time I saw it in writing, I was like, whoa. Yeah, it is kind of um, weird in writing. But it's been like that now for months. I don't know why people are just now catching on to it. But, well, we were yeah, kind of I mean, we busy. It's not busy. unusual. True. It's not unusual either. I think the Stanford offensive coordinator is the Andrew Luck offensive yeah. coordinator, right. which is timely, I guess. But yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not a first. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this depth chart, um, which was handed to me moments before Bronco Mendenhall took the podium at John Paul Jones Arena on Monday uh, morning. And I got to be honest, not a whole lot of surprises on here, right? I mean, isn't this pretty much exactly what we expected? I mean, with the with the caveat that there are a lot more, maybe maybe we didn't know where the oars would be, right? Um, and maybe we didn't know um, who would be ranked ahead of whom, right? In in some of these spots, but like to me, the fact that there aren't that many curveballs in this thing is a really good sign. 
Dave, when you first saw this, what was your immediate reaction, and and did it move the needle for you? I mean, were, when you once you saw a depth chart, were you like excited to that football was really close, or like what was your reaction once you saw it? Yeah, I mean, I've been excited for a week, can't you tell? You sound <laughs> you sound like it was a really long day at the office. That's it was it. a long day at the office. No, I mean. He's been trying to process that Gronk thing for like yeah, days. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> mind-boggling. I mean, maybe I'll figure it out in like 30 days, but probably not a month. Um, anyway, the uh, yeah, nothing really surprising on it. Um, I mean, I, I was a little surprised to see Vollmer's name not on the two deep um, on the offensive side. And I think the only big surprise for me on the defensive side wasn't who was listed. It was the fact that the only defensive lineman – that's a clear starter, doesn't have an or designation, is the true freshman at nose tackle. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, I mean, that's what you want to see. I mean, other than Bratton getting hurt, they look like they came out of camp, knock on wood, pretty healthy. Um, and all the guys were on the depth chart, so – yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do. I think the fact that that was sort of – I mean, I think you sort of underscored my point there, right? Like that the, the program is sort of established now. And they kind of have their stuff together, and this is a good thing, right? We we should not be shocked that player X is listed as the starter at such and such. You know what I mean? I, I the one thing I was a little bit surprised by that that they had Jaquay Hubbard as the backup right guard, but this is sort of a, a constant for for Tuje in the sense that like I feel like if for some reason they needed to play another guard, it would probably be Tyler Fannin, but they put they let they let Hubbard prepare every game. Right, like he's going to be a backup, like he's that like he should be ready to play, and I feel like that's a learning opportunity, and I kind of like that they do that. Um, but I mean, by and large, I was not really surprised. What about you, Ferber? What were your general thoughts? I mean, I know you you were you were the one I think who had the the more immediate like thoughts on the thing on on Twitter once it got out there. Right. But just in general, what were you, what were some of your reactions? Yeah, I think Dave kind of hit the, the hub, or was it you that the Hubbard thing at guard specifically kind of threw me off, but. It's a two deep. I mean, it's not like he's listed as a starter or anything. Um, I honestly just didn't think he'd be on the two deep, really. And if he was, I thought maybe a tackle. But um, other than that, I mean, at first I saw Dorian Goddard's name and was kind of surprised. But then I realized that UVA has like 10 wide receivers listed on this depth chart. So, uh, and that's just how they chose to list them. I mean, obviously, if you look at the offensers, I think there's like 13 different positions. So not all those guys can be on the field at the same time. Uh Honestly, the big takeaway, and, and Bronco's comments didn't really illuminate us any further, but we didn't really get a, either in paper or from his comments, a definitive answer at running back, I don't think. I mean, it sounds like Wayne is going to, Wayne Talapapa is going to get the first reps out of the, you know, out of the shoot to start the game, but I still didn't feel like he gave us a clear roadmap to, uh, are those carries going to be split up evenly? Is he going to get the lion's share until he does something wrong? Or if he doesn't you know, make a ton of progress early in the game, are those reps going to go somewhere else? Are they going to have multiple backs in the backfield at the same time? Um, obviously, you know, I wouldn't get too caught up in the SBBB thing on the depth chart with the running backs being split into bigger backs and, and tailbacks, basically. Like um, Jamari Peacock is basically a fullback, but those other guys listed at the uh, like the big back position are just regular running backs that kind of you know are bigger and can block. Um, so Mike Collins is listed there, but I don't think that necessarily means he's out of the mix for carries. I expect him to get carries, but um, obviously at this point, I think you asked the question of him actually, Brad. But he kind of said it just speaks to 
the unknown or what I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but you know, indicating that it, the position's not really settled yet. And I'm not terribly concerned about that. I think running back is a fluid position in a lot of programs, and a lot of programs will ride the hot hand, if you will. Um, and I think we'll see that from UVA to some extent this year. But it seems like there's the competition has now bled over into game week. Yeah, I mean, the thing at running back is interesting. I think it, we can look at it two ways, right? There's on the one hand uh, the idea that, like, if if it was Wayne Talapapa and like three dudes, right, that Wayne would be the starter. But like the fact that PK and Lamont have played well, or that Mike Hollins has shown you know, flashes and stuff, that that has actually made the decision hard because it's not as clear cut because they're all pretty good, right? Then there's the flip side, which is that they're not all pretty good. They think that they're all mediocre, and therefore instead of you know a series of dudes who could play, they basically have a bucket of yuck. I don't think that that's the thing that's happening here, right? Like I get the sense that. If Wayne Alapapa was the one guy, or if PK was the one guy, or if Lamont was the one guy, they would be the guy. But because they're they have some some depth, and they have guys who are reasonably, I mean, I think a lot of them are. Other than Hollins, I think Hollins is going to be the guy. I think once he develops into that, once he earns it, no, and I don't mean that in like the earn not given sense. I just mean in general. Like I just I, I think he'll eventually be the dude. But like for right now i don't think it's a bad thing to have different guys who who can do some different things if you think about the way their skill sets fit up fit together and like maybe the venn diagram between them right there is a lot of overlap and that's good but there's also some differences and that's good too i i don't see it as a negative i know some fans sort of stress about it dave does that give you any i don't know any anxiety uh that there, that there that there is no real separation at that position considering what we all know this this offense really needs from the running backs I mean, I think it'd be nice if there was a guy who was just, you know, unquestionably the star. Um, but it, it's kind of hard to imagine that, given the fact that none of the guys returning had a large number of carries. You know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, while the bullets are flying body of work to, to compare. So, you know, they scrimmaged several times during the fall and spring and, um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, there's just a lot that goes into the running running back position. It's not just taking the ball and running. You know, it's blitz pickup and and pass catching and everything. So, a part of me would like someone to have clearly established themselves, but I think we've heard enough out of seen enough on the little bit of clips we got and heard enough. If you just read into what Bronco's saying, that all the guys are good. Um, so, I don't know, man. I, I'm not wishy washy answer, but. Um, my guess is that someone emerges as the season goes on. Um, I think I think Justin's right. I think Wayne's probably the the guy that comes out. Even though I wouldn't have said that before the, I didn't think that going into the uh, depth chart release. I figured PK would be the first guy just because he's gotten some carries in live action, and you don't want a mistake early. Um, and maybe that does happen Saturday night. But I like what I've seen from all the guys, and I, and I think they're going to be running behind the offensive line that. As we'll talk about, all, all those young, I think it's going to be improved. So combine that with, with a dynamic quarterback, and you know, I'm excited about what they can bring. Yeah, I mean, I kind of expected Wayne to be the guy on the depth chart just because I think Bronco values consistency at running back, and we saw that with how many carries Jordan got over the last couple of years. So I, I kind of think that you know he has mentioned multiple times that um, Hollins and Kier or Kyer, I'll never get that right, have flashed – throughout camp but he always says Wayne is the most consistent and I think that's kind of where he wants to start things off to, to begin the season especially against you know a physical ACC opponent 
I think too to kind of put a put a bow on this. I, I feel like in in terms of where the program is going to go, we can focus on these guys a lot. But realistically, unless one of them has like a case of the dropsies or something like that, by and large, it's going to be up to that offensive line. To Dave's point, I mean, we we can focus on the running backs. I think. Lamont and 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 maybe even to some extent Hollins give you a little bit more maybe in the passing game, um, but I think Talapapa, you know, to 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 Ferber's point, the consistency that he plays with. I mean, he was the guy in the spring. He was the guy all through fall camp. Maybe he's not the dude who has the highest ceiling, but he's the guy getting the job done um, and doing it more often. And much like Tony Bennett on the basketball side, you know, he he likes upperclassmen, but really what he likes is dudes he can trust. And I feel like what that's really what what Broncos looking for here. So I would imagine that in terms of carries, Wayne's going to get the lion's share Saturday night unless some of the other guys just really catch fire. But I think they will get some touches, and that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, to, to Dave's point about the offensive line, I mean, I think our, I think if you, if you have followed our podcast, in, and we've talked about this in the preseason, I mean, we've, we feel like we've had a pretty good handle on these five for a while. I'm still not entirely sure that we've seen them do the last – shaking around as they might, but I do think that the group is going to primarily be Nelson, Glazer, Oluwatimi, Rankinsmeyer, uh, and Swoboda. Everything I hear about Swoboda, who, if, if you, if you have not read Jeff White's piece on that, on Ryan Swoboda, please go do that. Um, because it was incredible. The things that that kid's been through in just a short amount of time. And he was, as I've heard the best lineman by far in, uh, let me rephrase, the best tackle by far in, in uh, spring and summer. So I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, on a consistent basis now that he's got his weight up and his strength up. Um, I feel like as we as we move forward, we should probably, I don't want to say temporary expectations for the offensive line because that implies that I'm, I'm, I, I doubt them. But I think in terms of what, what they need to do, this is going to be a heck of a test on Saturday night. We'll get to Pitt specifically in a little bit. But in terms of the offensive line, I, I, I just feel like we're, we're all sort of in a show-me mode, right? Like you're, you're just kind of waiting to see what they do because at this point, you, we know Rankinsmeyer is good. We know he can move. Um, I think moving him inside is a, is a, is a, is a right call or, or at least getting him away from center so he can move him around as you need. Um, I, I, Oluwatimi seems locked in at center. Um, but, you know, what? like uh, – um, I think it was um, I don't I can't remember if it was Bronco or maybe a, a Nye after practice said you know you really never know until until they play I mean that seems to be an edict that a lot of coaches have yeah time. literally every coach has said yeah, that this right um, but in terms of the offensive line Dave what's uh, what are you, what's your, I guess let's let's just answer the question this way what's your what's your expectation for them and how much how much moving around do you think that they'll we'll see yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see some moving around. Um, even during the game, you know, uh, depending on how things are going. And look, I, I'm excited about the offensive line. You know, it would have been nice to have was a Gallerstat. Is that how you pronounce his Gellerstat, name? Gellerstat, yeah. Gellerstat. Gellerstat I mean, yeah. it'd be nice. But let's be honest, he didn't have much more playing time than anyone we got. So it's not like he was bringing a lot of experience with him. Um, and you, you kind of think about like Pertal and and the other guys we've had come in as grad transfers. They didn't have a whole lot of playing time when they came in. You know, it's they got in the system, got coached up, and, and did well. So I think with a guy like Olatimi, you know, you know, everyone else has pretty much played a little bit. I think Soboda's probably got the least number of snaps. Before, you know, Olatimi's got the least, obviously, than beat Soboda. Um, Olatimi, we've heard about how good he was pretty much since he got on campus um, last year. We, you know, there were 
snippets about him like performing well and you know during during his redshirt year. So I'm not surprised to see he won the won it. And it's not like he just beat out Fan and he beat out Rinkesmeyer, who either was even though it wasn't my favorite position for him, played well at center. Um so that gives me confidence in the center of the lawn. And he seems like if you listen to the interviews of the kid, he seems down to earth. Um seems like the rest of the team gets along with him and it seems like the coaches have confidence in his ability so far to kind of call out what the defenses are doing. And I think it was so Tuje today um, who said that you know he's seen a lot in practice because of the multiple looks the def- our defense gives him. So I'm not too worried there, um, and especially because you know if he does struggle, you can move pieces around. But I think I've always been a big uh, Regismeyer fan. You know Nelson's Nelson. I really like Glazer. I like and Swoboda. We've heard nothing but glowing reports, um, but now he's got to do it in the game and. Look, there's not a lot of tackles his height, um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that translates with smaller defensive linemen. Um, so even though you know, we've heard glowing reports, that's a position I'll definitely be keeping my eye on, um, the tackle spot he's manning. So I'm excited. I mean, not only am I excited because I think there's potential there, but it's young potential, so we could see that same line back next year, right? Um, which would be nice. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's move over to the defense. Ferber, I'm going to start with you on this front. Is is there something on the defensive front, or excuse me, not the specific f- front of the defense, but more on this subject? Is there something about the defense that um, that stands out to you in terms of? I mean, I look at this group and I think they look deep. I mean, maybe the fact that 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 Heskin Smith is is the backup to Bryce Hall and he's you know five eleven instead of you know what UVA seems to be going for, which is you know six one six two or taller at corner. What, when you look at that defense, what stands out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you want to get into pit now, but uh, the thing that I will be watching this weekend, and I guess the weekends after, depending on how this weekend goes, but is Nick Grant. Uh, mm-hmm. As as glowing as everybody has been about him, and as you know, he's praised for his workmanship, and uh, clearly, you know, he carved out a role for himself last year, but it was mostly special teams. He did get some defensive work, actually, ironically, against Pitt because of injury. Um, and I don't I'm not like pessimistic on the outlook for him, obviously, but he like, I think Brockway even was talking about him at one point when he said, you know, you have to go see the players do it. Right. I mean, it's one thing to to work in practice and and do well there. But when you're going against another team that runs different routes and has different personnel and different schemes and plays that you don't know, um, you know, that that uncertainty, you know, kind of has to be flushed out in a game so i mean i think that if pitt's game is pretty foolish and and he might make them pay and and hopefully for uva he does um but i mean the other cornerback on the other side of the field is an all-american so you have an all-american on one side and a guy who has barely played defense on the other um so i mean the unknown isn't always a bad thing i mean sometimes guys will come in and and play really well for example joey blunt last year didn't play a huge role on the defense as a freshman played a lot on special teams but he came in and played really well like from the get-go so i think that potential is there for nick he definitely has the physical tools uh but he's definitely the guy i'll be watching a lot on the field on saturday just to see if he's you know holding his own and and if he's getting picked on a lot Let's uh, let's assume let's assume that Pitt wants to throw the ball more, okay, and let's assume that Whipple has is ign- because of the lack of you know 
clear running back hierarchy or what have you that they want to that they want to play a little bit different and they want to push the ball down the field and let's assume that Virginia has to play a lot less base and a lot more nickel my guess would be that if that were the case that Britton Nelson would fall in as a nickel back and then the question becomes who's the other safety on the field is it Chris Moore or Devontae Cross and Dave I'm, I'm not saying that that's necessarily has to be that binary in terms of you know answering that question but it seems pretty obvious that those are the two guys that make the most sense what would you feel the most comfortable with in that scenario yeah i'm comfortable with either one of them um and i I think we'll see you know we'll see which one the coaches are most comfortable with come saturday night but um look more more was having the super the super spring last year before he got hurt and there's a lot of talk about how good you know expectations for him going into last year before his injury and then Cross kind of was playing wide receiver at this point last year, was he not? I mean, um, yeah. I mean, he was playing wide receiver four games into the season yeah, at least, because yeah. I saw him in the Louisville game on offense when I was watching <laughs> that game again. But you know, as much as much as he's moved around with some quarterback and wide receiver and DB and now safety, you can see flashes of him. So I'm I'm comfortable with Devontae back there. Um, right. Look at this point with Nick Howe, like anyone he rolls out there, I'm gonna trust. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like TB with a point guard, right? Right. And that's yeah. kind of the level of trust he's earned with me. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, let's uh, let's get into Pitt in a second. But first, let me um, let me take our our break for for our sponsor this evening. Cast Corner Podcast brought to you tonight by Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Second String is all about offering you new and quality used sports equipment. So if you play baseball, softball, football, or soccer, Second String has the gear that you need: the newest bats and gloves and gear from DeMarini, Louisville Slugger. Easton, Rawlings, Wilson, and Evo Shield are all on the shelves today and ready to go home or to the field with you. Uh, now, let's say you got something from last year that you don't need anymore. Take it to them. Um, they can give you a credit towards your next purchase. Um, so make turn some of that gear that you've got laying around, maybe something that your son or daughter is not going to be using anymore. Uh, take it to Second String, and they can hook you up. Uh, you can check out what they have to offer at their store that's just outside Waynesboro at 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway, or you can visit their website right now at secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two. First, call, first string quality, first string service, second string sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CapsCorner.com. All right, so Pittsburgh, um, going to be a little different than the Pittsburgh that maybe we know, right? No Darren Hall, um, no Quadri Olison. Um, <laughs> I almost said no Nate Peterman. That was mean. Um, Kenny Pickett. I mean, he's not going to be there. I mean, there, that's true. He's not walking through that door. He might uh, not have anywhere else to be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I haven't watched Hard Knocks. You can find him starting on Hard Knocks. I was going to say, I haven't, I haven't caught up on Hard Knocks in a couple weeks, so who knows. Um, yeah. But this, I mean, look, I, I feel like if Virginia's going to get, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, if Virginia's going to get Pittsburgh, now's the time, right? Don't, don't let them have a few games to figure it out, right? It, and this kind of goes back to why I was confident about picking Virginia to win this game. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to change that up. Uh, last week when we did our, um, our prediction podcast, Virginia seems like the team with the with the identity that, that that is most you know in the ground like in the roots right dudes with experience everywhere. There are some spots where you've got some question marks, but nothing that it seems glaring, right? This is not Pittsburgh trying to figure out who their running backs going to be now that these other guys have gone on to the league, and that's not to you know not to to throw shade at anybody specifically. It's not that I think you know Pittsburgh's not going to be you know any good. It's certainly not where I'm going with it, but I just feel like. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a conference opponent to open the season, it's not a bad thing to be kind of maybe further along in in terms of you know what what you want to be as you know I think Virginia's in a better spot. 
Ferber, as you started to to look at this one, as you got deeper into the week, what's been standing out to you the most? Yeah, it's uh, everything you just said is true. It's it's hard to we'll talk about when we you know do picks or whatever, but it, it, it's hard to know about a team until they play. I know that's a cliche, and we just talked about how every coach has said it, but it's true. I mean. We look at the game, and even last year during the season, I think we all picked UVA to beat Pitt because Pitt was surging, but we still felt like UVA was better and they were at home. Uh, this year, I mean, there's more unknowns, but we kind of know what they want to do. Uh, on offense, you know, they obviously last year, you were saying, like, you think they would throw the ball more this year. I mean, if they threw it any less, they would basically – I would just assume Paul Johnson's involved because they literally, like – ran the ball so, so much last year. Um, you mentioned Darren Hall. I looked at his stats from the UVA game, and it gave me a headache almost. It was, I think he had 19 carries for like 233 and three touchdowns. Um, they're going to they're gonna try to win at the point of attack, regardless of who the offensive coordinator is. That's just who they are. That's who they've been since forever. I mean, since Dave Wanstead was there. Um, and... You know, I think that we, we kind of know or we've seen something from Kenny Pickett. We kind of know what he was last year as, as a game manager. Um, this year, I think that they're going to be asking more of him, and I think he's going to be – if they're going to have another good year, I think he's going to have to take a, a leap because uh, with running backs, with dynamic running backs like Hall and Olison, you know, if one guy wasn't doing it, the other guy would. I mean, they were just so talented. And obviously they had a, a very experienced offensive line, I believe four of the five starters are gone. Uh, I know offensive line starters is sometimes hard to figure out because guys go and come and go. But um, the center is back, and he's really good. But, I mean, they're going to be breaking in new running backs. They have talent at wide receiver. They just really haven't unleashed it in games. Uh, and, and part of that might be playing to your strengths. Part of that might just be what the offensive coordinator wanted to do last year. I don't know. But Whipple, Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator, uh, had a really explosive offense on a bad UMass team. I don't know if the ceiling was very high though for that group, just because their schedule was really tough and, and the program was basically an FCS level program when he was there, but th they put up a lot of points. So I'm not exactly sure how wide open they're going to want to make things, but I, Pat Narduzzi said in his press conference earlier this week that, that he knows that they're going to be able to run the ball and do that well. And I, so I think that what we'll see is something pretty similar to what we saw from Pitt last year, with a more balanced approach. I think you'll see a lot of play action, maybe get Pickett out of the pocket and, and do some rollout stuff. But uh, it's hard to know exactly what to expect from the guys that we haven't seen, like AJ Davis and Todd Sibley, the running backs that we expect to see. Like, we don't know if those guys are good. <laughs> um, and if their offensive line's opening up holes like the offensive line last year, I think that anyone would, would be successful. But that's another group that's gone through a lot of transition, and, and it's going to be hard to know what to, to expect. But it's going to come down to probably if they can make big plays, either running the ball or throwing the ball. Uh, if not, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain long drives like they did last year with, with Hall and, and Olison getting chunk plays. But um, it's going to come down to the trenches like, like it has in the last few years where Pitt is, has dominated, really. Dave, before you go, let me let me break down some of the experience here on this offensive front. So left tackle Carter Warren is a redshirt sophomore, 6'5", 320, set to make his first career appearance and his first uh, career start, obviously. Right. Um, Brian Hargrove, redshirt junior, 6'4", 315 at left guard. Uh, he's played, played all 14 games last year, started the final three. 
Jimmy uh, Morrissey is the center as a redshirt junior, 6'3", 305. He was a third-team All-ACC pick last year. He started 23 games in a row um, until he was hurt uh, at Wake Forest. He's a team captain. Gabe Huey is a, a, a excuse me a redshirt sophomore, 6'6", 310 at right guard. Six games, one start in 2018. Um, also saw team time as a reserve uh, on their field goal units, but I mean, it doesn't seem like he's got a lot of experience uh, in r- comparatively at scr- from scrimmage. Yeah, not on offense. Yeah, and yeah. then at right tackle, Nolan Ulizio, uh, a redshirt senior, 6'5", 320, a grad transfer from Michigan. He's got 17 games, five starts, and he lettered three times uh, at UM. But, I mean, ultimately, like, I don't want to say that's a patchwork offensive line, but there's not a, it's not like they're not the same as they were a year ago, right? I think that's fair. And I think that if you look at look, I mean, maybe if, if you're if you're making, making a podcast tonight talking about Virginia, you're looking at Chris Glazer and Ryan Nelson and Olu, and he, well, he's a transfer. You know, Dylan Rankinsmeyer is a guy with a lot of experience. So I mean, look, I get that there are some some parallels. Um, and so if you're thinking that Virginia's going to run the ball, but the pit can't, the difference here is that like I just don't know. I don't know how confident I feel in Pitt's defense. It's not. It's not like they're without talent. I don't want to make that uh, make that corollary or anything. But I, I just I, I think if I if I'm looking at these two teams, I think Virginia has the better defense. Dave, what are what are your general thoughts on on Pitt and kind of the um, the potential for what we all expect this to be, which is a physical, you know, intense in the trenches kind of game? What are, what do you think the potential is there for for this to be something different than that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the potential is. I mean, I think that's what Pitt is. So, I mean, that's how the game's going to be won. Um, whether Virginia dominates them or Virginia overcomes their the deficit they had in that, you know, in that physicality last year, just enough to to win, we'll see. Or whether Pitt just does what they've done traditionally. Um, but yeah, you know, looking at Pitt, like they're so difficult. You know, obviously, first game of the season is tough because you don't have any film of what this team is. Um, but then you think of them as the Coastal Division champ last year, and and they handle Virginia, you know, like. I don't think they handled Virginia as easily as the score indicates, but when you look at the stats, they kind of did. Um, the game didn't feel that way in person. There's a couple of calls here, there, some weather issues, but regardless, they won, right? Um, but that was a seven and seven Coastal Division team, so they lost a lot from that team. So they're not. It's not like they're Clemson who lost a lot. They're they're a team who won the Coastal, and arguably the best win they had all year was at Virginia because mm-hmm. um, we were ranked at the time. So. Um, and the, their losses, generally speaking, other than the Carolina, who they can't seem to beat for some reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at their schedule, they were seven and seven, but they lost to a bunch of really good teams like yeah, I mean, UCF and Miami. Notre Dame yeah. and Penn State, I believe, blew them out. And Stanford. Yeah, Penn, Penn State smashed them. Uh, Clemson smashed them. Stanford smashed them. UCF I mean, their worst loss was Carolina, but their best win was at Virginia. So, I mean, they did beat Syracuse early in the year um, at home. So anyway, they're, they're a confusing team because you don't really know what they were last year either. Um, but I guess all that's kind of irrelevant because what they were is a team that came into Charlottesville in a big game under the lights in bad weather and still established their physicality. Um, I, look, they are. You, you guys have talked about it, so I won't go into it. They're, they're replacing a lot on both lines. But if you look at their recruiting over the years, the reason they're consistently physical is because they recruit. Um you don't think of Pitt, but they, you know, it was a big recruiting school, but they're always in the 20s to 30s, and they always sign a bunch of linemen every year, year in and year out. I mean, I did a quick count. Um, 
think it's five times like 20, 20 defensive linemen in the last five, four years they've signed. Yeah. And all of them are three stars or so. Um, offensive yeah, I mean, line's about the same. That's so the they, thing with their offensive line is just like it's not that the guys have a ton of game experience, but they're older and big. So yeah. it's like you kind of the hope for them is that it's part of just like the next man up philosophy. Yeah. And it, you know, I think you, until proven otherwise, you can assume even though they'll be young, they'll be physical. So um, I don't know. I mean, the defensive side of the ball, you know, losing Weaver uh, certainly kind of kinks things for them, but kind of like with Bratton, it happened early enough for them to have time to adjust to it. So, you know, that's what it comes to. I, I don't know what Pitt is, but I will say I will be – if Pitt ends that game with more pass attempts than run attempts, that means Virginia got out. I don't know. I can't say that because <laughs> even in games they got blown out last year, they ran the ball four times more than they passed it. Um, so if they throw more than they run, it either means that there was a large philosophical shift and they were trying to, like, establish the pass or UVA was ahead pretty much the whole game. Yeah. Or Narduzzi had to leave the game and Whipple got the mic. <laughs> yeah, see, that's then... the thing is, like, the, the offensive coordinator change it is all great, but it's like UVA could bring in a different offensive coordinator, but I don't think the offense would be that different than what you see now because yeah. it, it's part of a larger philosophy. Um, yeah, before we move on, like, one thing I'd encourage you guys to do, if, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's an interview with uh, Whipple. Uh-huh. Um, and, <laughs> God, when was that? Uh you're talking about the one, that I, the one that I sent you a few days ago? Oh, did you send it to me? I know I've seen it. Or um, he's just like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Like, I think it was like the end of last week. Yeah, it's very, it's not a very uh, confident appearing offensive coordinator. Um, a lot of face scratching as he describes things. So, anyway, it's just interesting. Well, he, and it's a lot of like, uh, it's a lot of like, well, I have to figure out what they can handle and stuff like that. Yeah, like, like uh, we yeah, got. we got rid of a bunch of plays, and uh, we, you know we'll work with what we have. But I wanna, yeah, I mean, we don't. They could they could be better this year than they were last year, but I'm not I'm I'm not predicting that. It's just we don't know. I mean, yeah. once you get a game or two under your belt, it's a lot easier to say, okay, this is what this team is. This right. is what they're trying to do. Right. Let me let me do the same thing I just did for the offensive line. Let me do it for the defensive front, or excuse me, for the defense in general. But um, so. All right, Pat Jones is their top reserve defensive end last year. Richard Jr., 6'5", 260. He gets a start at one end. Um, he had 23 tackles, 7.5 for loss. He's a Chesapeake native. He had four sacks last year. All right, on the other side, uh, Deslin Alexander, Richard sophomore, 6'4", 265. He's in place of Rashad Weaver. That was a spot that Weaver would have played. He played in 13 games last year. He had five tackles. Now, what I find super interesting about this is that at one of their two other defensive tackle spots, right, they have Amir Watts, who's a 6'3", 295-pound senior, who is by far the most experienced dude in their front. He's played 33 games. He had 18 tackles, three for loss, and a sack last year, 10 starts. But he's an or starter with Keyshawn Camp, 6'4", 285, redshirt junior, who missed the final seven games last year because of injury. Now, I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here, but if, if we came – to, to, to media day on Monday and Bronco handed us a depth chart where Eli Handback was an or starter at nose tackle with Jerron Briggs. Would we think that that's a good sign or a bad sign? Like your most experienced dude probably shouldn't be an or guy, right? Am I wrong about this? Like in Eli an or with familiar. Well, UVA has an or. Eli is <laughs> no, no, an or. He, he's an or at end with a guy who's played end. who didn't miss seven yeah, games. He, he got beat out straight by a freshman. <laughs> no, 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 no. But they've always wanted to play Eli wherever Eli fit best, right? Yeah. 
So my, my point here isn't to say like, you know, if there's a freshman who's making whatever, right? But this is not a this is not that. This is your most experienced dude, right? Who is not separating himself on a defensive front. This Virginia's defensive front returns everybody, right? And also brought in a four-star rivals for 100 kid and also has all these other dudes who you know, played last year, right? They had the opposite problem at Pitt. They're, they didn't have, they, they, they lost their best guy, right? And they also have other losses. We lost along. Dylan Thompson. <sighs> why are you going to make that joke? <laughs> anyway, my point is, is that if you look at this, te- at this Pitt team, I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to be cruddy. I, I, I just don't know out of the gate. that I'm having a hard time. Like if I'm trying to talk myself into trying to pick Pitt here, it's rough because, like, even on the defense, like, so that's that's the defensive front. You you look at uh, their linebacking core, right? So they get Kylon uh, Johnson, who's a grad transfer from Florida, but they've got a bunch of dudes who are basically reserves who are stepping into bigger roles. Now that's you know sometimes the way succession works, right? That's you know kind of you know by design, right? But if you look at their, you know, oh my God, they call him their money linebacker. Ugh. But it, if you look at their depth chart. There's a whole lot of freshmen in there, right? Whether they're red shirt or true, just just young kids everywhere. I do think their defensive backfield is pretty stout, and I'm really curious to see, you know, how Dane Jackson and Demar Hamlin, um, how those guys handle Bryce Perkins because it's going. Their to, secondary is good. Their yeah. secondary, yeah, their defensive backfield is pretty strong, but their front group. I mean, I feel like if Virginia can't run the ball, uh, it's going to be problem. It's going to be a problem, a problematic sort of evening. Um, Let's go. Let's go ahead and get to our picks, which shouldn't be that different <laughs> over the last week. Uh, Dave, in the preseason, you have Virginia winning this game, right? Twenty-seven to twenty. Yeah, with a sixty percent yeah. chance. What we're gonna we're gonna add a wrinkle to this year's uh, picks uh, because Dave tossed it out there, and I thought it was a really good idea. Uh, so did Ferber, but you know, I also thought it was a good idea. Uh, we're going to give our picks, and we're also going to tell you what the what we think the headline is going to be uh, Sunday morning uh, when the uh, when the stories run. Or I think you might have actually said Monday morning, but I think you meant that. Yeah, morning. but I meant Sunday. You know. yeah. Yeah, yeah, All right, give yeah. me your pick, and your, what do you think the headline is going to be? I mean, I'm a stick. I, st- I still like 27-20 Virginia. Um, I think I think the headline is going to be that um, Virginia proves physical. Um, that's a bad headline, but yeah, but, but like that. you know, you know, basically Virginia stands up to the physicality. Um, I don't expect a lot of craziness. Um, I'm sure we'll see a little bit, but yeah, I was tempted to. Uh, I won't steal y'all's headlines, but I was tempted <laughs> to go, go some other ways. But I just, I think it's Tom. I mean, I, I, maybe I've never been one to shy away from optimism when it comes to football. Um, I just, I, I think, just given. The returners we have, the development, the continuity in the coaching staff, the the strength program, I think, and the fact that this team has not shot away from admitting how they were beat physically, I think Virginia shows up and is a more physical team Saturday night. Ferber, in the preseason, which was last week, <laughs> I believe you had Virginia losing this game, twenty four to nine. No, you had okay. I had UVA winning this game twenty four nineteen. Okay, with a fifty five percent chance of victory. What say you now? Same, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have any reason to change. Nothing has really changed since I made that pick. Um, I would say if there's going to be a headline, my headline would be turnovers. I think 
UVA's defense, if they're going to win a game like the one that I just described, I think it'll be um, probably, you know, they're going to have to make a play or two on defense. I think my guess, just making up a fake headline, is that Pitt has a chance to tie the game or, or something late, and, and UVA's defense comes up with a play, makes a pick, or, you know, strip sack or something like that. So I think the defense comes up in the clutch. I uh, I had Virginia winning this game 23-13 in the preseason with a 75% chance. I'm going to stick with that um, in large part because, I, like I said before, I, I think Virginia is a team right now that has, has more of a concrete identity. I think the Cavaliers have the experience pieces in the right places. I think the question marks that Virginia has are n- not necessarily as easier to answer, but I think they have maybe m- better options, if that makes any sense. Um, I just I wonder if it's going to take Pitt a little while to get itself – right and um I, I like i said i think they're going to be fine i think they've got talent i think it's just going to it might take them a little while if this game was in week four or five i might feel differently but i feel pretty strong about uva coming out of the gate i think the headline's going to be wayne talapapa i think he's going to get like 17 carries for like a buck oh five um i think he's going to score a touchdown and virginia's going to have a running back um and now whether that's the way it stays because i think that competition will go um, or not, I think the headlines are, are going to be about people trying to make sure they spell his name correctly. Um, there'll be lots of lots of people stretching for puns. Um, and, you know, if he finishes with two carries for seven yards, it's not my fault. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling he's going to be really productive. Um, and Virginia's going to run the ball, and it's going to be a game. Good game. Anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up this week, fellas? Man, you guys... So, no, I mean, so I mean, I was thinking today, like the last time we talked about a actual game, like our last pregame podcast was the Final Four. Um, yeah, that's right. Which seems, which was a long time ago now. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's been, even though it was a very short offseason compared to ones past because of basketball, it still seems like forever, and I can't wait. Yeah, God. I guess technically it was me and Ferber in the uh, in the bowels yeah. of the of the stadium. Yeah. I don't know. You're so yeah. salty. Didn't make it. Was it? Yeah, that was a that was. I was thinking about that today. That was the last game, I guess we had to to prepare for. Because we didn't do like and that one. Went, that one went. Yeah, that worked. Well. <laughs> that worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I, I did. Did we pick them to win the championship? Were, were we Actually, speaking of wishy washy answers? We did that. Well, we did. We did a podcast the night the day before, and we didn't pick the game. I don't think we don't. We did. No, I think we just kind of talked about it. But I wrote a preview. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I knew you wrote a preview. We did something le- the week leading up to it. That's what I was talking about. You guys did one, but after the Auburn game, but we um we did one before y'all traveled, mm, if the, I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I meant like I'm, I, I I was thinking more like a one specifically to Texas Tech. Anyway, let's not let no. basketball take over the football uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah um, we, we can wait sixty eight days. <laughs> if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Give us a rating and review. always helps to get us out in front of more people, and I very much appreciate that. If you are somebody who found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the website, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Uh, right now, you can check out features I did both on Bryce Perkins and Jordan Mack. Team captains, they got pretty high expectations, I guess, for themselves and the, and the team this season. Uh, you can check out Ferber's uh, 5 to Watch, uh, as well as uh, I did a, a few um, notes and things um, from Monday on the depth chart and the press conference and stuff. So you can give that a look. Um, Ferber's first preview, I guess we're going to do that as you listen to this tomorrow. Um, and then we will, I will be, we will be, I will be in Pittsburgh 
um, Lord willing and the Creek don't rise uh, Saturday evening to cover it. Um, remember if you haven't already hit that fanatics links, uh, please do so. Uh, anything that you purchase through that link, whether it's UVA gear or anything else uh, at fanatics goes to support the sites. Um, so whether it's in your podcast app right now or on the content item, I very much appreciate that. Uh, lastly, I want to thank second string sports and Thor and well for their support of the show. Check out their links in the podcast app of choice or in the content item as well. So again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate it. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.